Welcome to the Law Boutique 30 podcast. LB30 for short. LB30 explores the legal challenges that face business owners, individuals, and families, with a twist. LB30 addresses these topics in a conversation with a seasoned legal and business professional. Your host, David Porter, has over 30 years of experience, connecting with clients to learn their objectives, and then devising strategies to solve problems, in a way to make businesses more sustainable, while solving the legal issues at hand. LB30 allows you to see inside the practical, concierge service you can create with a trusted legal advisor. LB30 is about conversation and practicality. The Law Boutique 30 is open to provide information and education. Please welcome your host, David Porter. Hey guys, welcome to episode 8 of the Law Boutique 30. We're going to do something a little different today. We're going to switch chairs. I'm going to go from being the guy that does the interviewing to being the guy that is interviewed. My good friend Andre Belanger from Baton Rouge, Louisiana is joining me today. And we're going to talk about virtual general counsel. We're going to talk about how that paradigm shift that we are deploying at Porter Law can help businesses. And Andre is going to take a very interesting approach as the interviewer because he's going to talk to me from the perspective of a lawyer who operates from the traditional paradigm of legal services. And so this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I look forward to having you join us. We're going to talk in this episode and next week's episode uh, through this uh, interview with Andre. I hope you enjoy it. And without any delay, let's jump right into the interview with Andre Belanger. Hi, uh, this is Andre Belanger. I'm an attorney in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'm talking today with David Porter of Porter Law. And we are going to discuss uh, exactly what is a virtual general counsel. It is in, in my opinion, something that every business owner um, needs to consider doing. Um, it is a modern legal solution for modern business age. Um, so Dave, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you practice, and what exactly do you do in terms of uh, you know, the type of uh, legal work that you would enjoy engaging in? Sure, Andre, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. and. Uh having us flip the chairs here for me. Uh, So it's great to be here with you. And uh, so I've been practicing now for a little over 30 years uh, and Porter Law is a relatively new endeavor of mine. I have uh, have begun practice here in central Missouri. Uh, That's where I grew up as a kid and uh, I spent most of my career in Kansas City, but have now moved back to Central Missouri. And the two focuses of Porter Law is uh, our estate planning and business law. And uh, today uh, we're going to talk about the, really the business law side of what I do. And uh, just to give a little context of my approach, and I know we'll go deeper into this as we talk. For me, uh, I've spent 20 of the 30 years of my practice in either a, an in-house counsel position or in a compliance role. And so I see the engagement uh, between a business and its lawyer uh, somewhat differently than, than others because I've really been on the inside for most of my career and have seen tremendous benefit for the company 
I have enjoyed that role and, and think that there is great opportunity to help the modern business uh, develop this, this new style of relationship with a lawyer that uh, can really help it get, um, I think, better service, I think more consistent service, uh, and actually uh, more service, uh, which is something that I think business owners sometimes don't recognize the value in that. And so uh, for me, virtual general counsel is really my uh, contribution to a new paradigm with, uh, with companies. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's what I've been doing for the last uh, 30 years of my career. Uh, I'm excited about uh, quarter law. We're gaining a lot of traction with companies. It's an interesting conversation. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm at uh, with Porter Law. Well, that's, that's great. And, um, you know, it's interesting hearing from your background uh, because I could see how serving as in-house counsel with an emphasis on compliance gets you to this crossroads as to becoming a virtual general counsel. And I want to get into that um, in a moment. But before I do, for people listening, I know what a virtual general counsel is. But I think a lot of people will be hearing this term for the very first time. So if you could just give a, a brief definition of what a virtual general counsel is, then I'd like to go back and, and, and talk about uh, how you got there with your prior experience. Sure. Uh, so most large corporations, uh, particularly publicly traded corporations, have a role that is uh, that they call the general counsel. The general counsel is really responsible for the overall legal and governance requirements for the corporation. And a virtual general counsel, as I have, as I have titled it, really takes that same concept and creates a, an ability for a company to acquire, if you will, um, a general counsel on a part-time basis uh, through a subscription agreement. And so um, folks very often will, um, will struggle in the same way, based on your question, uh, I do get a lot of struggle with you know, what does that mean? Uh, one of the examples that I use is, so folks that um, you may have heard of, uh, of fractional uh, private jets or uh, fractional, uh, in fact, I've seen it in the HR world where you can, uh, if you don't have the resources to have a, a full-time HR person, uh, you can, through a subscription agreement with various companies, have a dedicated uh, HR professional working with and for your company, uh, but only on a part-time basis. And so it, it really addresses this need that smaller companies have to have the resources necessary in the legal arena uh, in the in the form of a and in the role of a general counsel. Well, that, that, that's good. And we're going to get into some of those benefits here. But, you know, just for the people listening, um, you know, and, and I don't do corporate work, but when I think of a, a corporate lawyer or a general counsel hand, representing corporations, I generally think on um, an engagement on a transactional basis, do this contract, um, negotiate this deal or, or, or something along those lines. And it's, it's um, 
you know, you're really just paying for services on a on a topical basis, right? Um, and and you may or may not develop that relationship. But when I, I see you coming from the in-house counsel perspective, that was all about a relationship. You had a relationship with one client, and and you were the go-to person for that one client. And and now with the way I see the virtual general counsel, um, you're able to create that one-on-one -on -one relationship. But because of how you are structured, you're now not limited to providing meaningful services to one person. You can spread it across a, a variety of clients, correct? That's absolutely correct. I, I can give you, I'll tell you a story. When I, when I first left private practice and went into an in-house role, I was visiting family out in North Carolina and my uncle uh, was, a, um, was an executive with Lucent Technologies. He had been uh, with uh, Ma Bell and then went through the divestiture and, and found his way ultimately to North Carolina and working in uh, at Lucent Technologies. And I told him that I was moving out of private practice and into an in-house role. And we had this really great conversation because you know, he, he, was, he was not a lawyer, uh, but what he said to me was something that resonated and became really the core of what I do, what I've done since in the last 20 plus years. He said, look, business people don't like to work with lawyers because lawyers tend to show up, do what they do and leave. He said, what business people want is somebody that's gonna get in the foxhole with them and watch them and help them get to their objectives. He said, if you wanna be a great in-house lawyer, you need to be about getting in the foxhole with your clients. And so that's really, that's really been the frame that I've brought to everything I've done in the last 20 plus years is how can I build an environment where I can get in the foxhole with my clients, help them get to their objectives and really be a partner rather than uh, something of a hired gun where they just say, hey, come in and review this contract or like you mentioned, uh, just kind of this, I come in, I, I build some hours and then I leave. The nice part about what, what I think we do is it's that we're able to say to a client, look, this is not about um, a transactional situation or a transactional engagement. This is about a relationship engagement where I can help you uh, not only deal with the things that you see, but also the things that you may not see that I see. And so uh, again, the foxhole analogy is something that I've really kept front of mind uh, again, for the last 20 plus years. Well, no, it's an interesting segue because going back into your background with an emphasis on compliance, I think that kind of preconditioned or trained you into being proactive. And, and when you look at the uh, standard attorney-client relationship model in corporate law, there's really no incentive for the lawyer to really be proactive because they're not involved, as you say, in the foxhole, but you are. So you can be uh, proactive for them. Can you give some examples on how, what are some of the things that you can do to proactively bring something to a business person's attention that they may not be seeing? Yeah, I, I guess one of the things that, that always strikes me is, uh, and I go back to when I was in private practice. Um, so there's, for me, there's a lot of connection. I saw the thing, I remember the things that I saw in private practice, and I tried to eliminate those as I'm in my current practice, because I don't think largely human beings have changed a great deal. And so 
I understand the behaviors that I'm trying to help with. And you know, for me, Andre, one of the things that always uh, was challenging was this idea of clients not understanding that, and I'm just going to, just as an example, not understanding that the things they write down last forever. And, and I'll give you a great example. Uh, when I was in private practice 25 years ago, I had a client that uh, we had a, we had an absolutely terrible uh, situation uh, with a lawsuit that ended up creating, uh, creating a real problem. And when we went back and dug into it, the real problem was the client had sent a letter to the other side to, in fact, an employee. And while the employer thought that the letter was very straightforward, very truthful, very honest, it was also very incendiary. It was very, it, it really provoked the employee to initiate litigation. And, and, that's and it was very evident, evidentiary, very damning evidentially, I'm assuming too. Absolutely. It was, it was plaintiff's <laughs> exhibit A. I mean, it was just awful. And, <laughs> and that's one of the things that I really try to help clients understand. And, and actually at the time I asked the client, why didn't you share this with me? Why didn't we talk about what this letter looked like? And the answer was, well, you know, I think I know how to write a letter, da 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 da. So we went through that, and, and as I dug and probed and pushed a little bit, what really came to be was they didn't want to pay the bill. They didn't want to incur the legal fees, and that again is one of those things that has stayed front of mind for me because at the time, the the review of that letter would have probably cost seventy, eighty dollars, probably. Uh, they ended up spending $30,000 in legal fees dealing with the litigation and ultimately settled the case for fifteen dollars to $20,000. I don't, I don't remember the number, but, but it was, you know, five figures. So Could have written a, reviewed a lot of letters. Um, right, exactly. You know, one of the things, and we'll get back to this concept of uh, why business people don't like lawyers, because I, I like that. Uh, oh, they hate them. That. They hate them, Andre. Uh, well... <laughs> You know, but I tell you what, it can be a two-way street because I think business people are good at writing letters in th in their industry, but without having that legal mind, you 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 really have no idea what you're exposing yourself to, um, and uh, you could lose leverage. Uh, you could say something that could be used against you, and it will be used against you, right? Sure. Um, and, and that's something that a lawyer that has a relationship with a company would be able to see coming down the road um, and prevent it, right? And also, I would think that because you're on a monthly subscription, you know, they're not going to have to think, well, if I go call Dave, then I'm going to have to pay him so much money you've already paid. So now you're going to probably be more proactive. I would think, I would think that you prevent more litigation um, than, you know, most people would recognize. Well, Andre, I think that's, I think that's one of the real challenges when virtual general counsel works. And I think it works a lot. It keeps things from happening. And that's really hard to measure. I mean, it's really hard to say to a client, I kept you out of four lawsuits. Well, how do you prove that? And the short answer is you really don't. 
but but what I really try to help clients understand is what what I'm really trying to do for them is keep them from provoking people that could have an adverse claim uh, and want to bring some kind of lawsuit or file some kind of administrative charge, et cetera. Um, keep them from doing that. And what, what ultimately happens, what my experience has been is when somebody will sort of submit to uh, really working in a virtual general counsel uh, environment for a period of time, a month, two months, what they begin to see is that I'm not trying to run their business. What I'm really trying to do is have them run their business and let me run the traps for the legal and regulatory issues that are coming at them that, frankly, they're not as good at as I am. And I'm not as good at running their business as they are. So it's trying to keep everybody in their best lane. You're kind of like a forward observe, Scott, right? Exactly. Um, you know, um, and this is, you know, when you get back to the old traditional model of how corporate lawyers operate on a transactional basis. I mean, let's face it, when a company puts like $10,000 into a lawyer's trust account, right? That lawyer knows I've got $10,000 that can be mine. I got to get to it at $350 an hour, whatever the billing rate is in your account. Right. There's an incentive to just pad bills, just do frivolous work and make that $10,000 yours as opposed to giving it back to the client. Right. And I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why they hate lawyers. Yeah, I, I, I think of it this way. Um, I think of it in terms of efficiency. Uh, you know, in the, in the bill of allower model, uh, it, the client bears the risk of inefficiency. So if I don't, if I do a project uh, and I'm working on something and it takes longer than it should, I'm going to bill the client for it. The client's going to pay for it. And that's not good for the client. Versus in a virtual general counsel situation, if I take longer than I should, if I'm not efficient, if I'm not effective, that goes on me because I, I have a fixed rate that uh, basically puts the, the risk of inefficiency on me. And in my mind, that's where the risk ought to be uh, because I'm the one that controls my own effectiveness and my own efficiency. I, you know, I, I just love that benefit. I never thought of it in that way, but you are risk shifting um, and, and you're putting the onus on yourself as opposed to the client. Um, so with, with that in mind, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit? Um, I know you sa said you do monthly subscriptions. How does that work? Do you have different tier subscriptions? Is it kind of ballparked on the business or expectations? Why don't you run down some general parameters for the uh, subscription fee that you would charge a sure. business? Sure. Most of the time, uh, and, and my, real, my real target here is uh, companies that are what I'm going to call uh, emerging businesses, uh, sometimes startups. Uh, I actually have a virtual general counsel start, uh, company, uh, startup company that I'm working with. Uh, that's, a, that's a very unique uh, situation for me, but I found it really great because uh, these, these business owners have bought into the model. And so in that particular case, we have a meeting, we have a call every week for about 30 minutes 
And what they're doing is saying, okay, here's what is transacting in our business. Here is, here's, and it's actually a technology business. And so they're talking to me about dealing with uh, developers and what's going to happen with trademarks and, and those kinds of things. And so it's, it's a real blend of counseling where we sit down every week and talk about how the company is growing and emerging and the, the, the work, the project work, the, the creation of the, uh, of the entity, the governance, dealing with uh, the board and that sort of thing. And so, so it can be that startup, but where, where I really think the value of virtual general counsel comes into play is that company that's beyond startup, they are growing. And as they're growing, their issues begin to come at them much faster because they're, they've got more customers, they have, uh, they have a lot more service offerings they need to do. And so uh, I, I typically, I do not have a rigid fee schedule for folks. And, and I do that on purpose because I think when you go into a company and in a 30 minute or 45 minute introductory meeting, I think it's hard to say, okay, well, you're a tier two. And so that's gonna cost you $1,000 a month. I just think that's hard. Um, what I know is I will likely uh, set a rate that is very user-friendly to the business because they need to not only be comfortable with the financial piece of it, they need to be comfortable with the environmental piece of having this new relationship. And so uh, we will typically shoot for somewhere between 500 and $1,000 a month. Uh, that tends to be uh, the range that things fall in. Obviously, a bigger company with more regulatory requirements, that number is going to go up. Uh, smaller business, that number could go down. But, but we really try to stay in the 500 to 1,000 range. And then what we do, I'm going to go a little, probably a little further in your question, uh, but you're a good lawyer and you can follow up with me. Um, what I do then is I say to, I, we usually uh, make, that, make that first rate um, for six months. And then I track my time. I track their utilization of me over that six months. And then at six months, we'll sit down and I'll share with them. Here is the utilization you have had with me. And I use my, my base rate. And I say, you know, here is, here's the value that you got over the six months. Here's what you paid. And here's what you would have paid had we done this on an hourly basis. And then we make an adjustment if, it's, if, it, if it looks like there needs to be one. Um, will adjust up or will adjust down. And, and I think that's something that, and I say that to folks because they wanna know that the, that the rate we start with is not the floor. They wanna know that if, if this isn't something they're gonna use a lot, they wanna know that number can come down but they can still maintain the relationship. And so uh, we go both directions. I think, I think transparency and flexibility with clients is really, really important in this, uh, in this in this paradigm no and that type of uh, fee adjustment is just something you don't see in the traditional business model with attorneys you know right. another thing that i, I thought was um interesting and in, in, you know what you just said is a practicality right you know if someone's only paying you 500 dollars a month you know a traditional lawyer will burn through that quickly and then what you'll find is suddenly your emails and calls aren't being returned. Right. 
Um, so can, can you describe some of the, as I, one of the things I see is a real benefit of your model is the access um, that clients will have with you. Can you kind of do the pros and cons of uh, attorney client access with the virtual general counsel? Yeah, I, I think there, I think the real pro is um, that, that there's not a meter that starts the minute I pick up the phone. Uh, I think, and like I said before, the, the story before about the, the client that didn't want me to review the letter because they didn't want to spend the money. Uh, we eliminate that. We eliminate that, uh, that risk aversion of getting that bill at the, at the end of the month. Uh, and I, and I've, had, I've had traditional lawyers who are friends of mine, as I've described virtual general counsel, and they said, you're nuts. Why would you do this? I mean, this is, you know, people are going to overuse you. They're going to take advantage of you. And my answer to them is, you're right. There may be people that will take advantage of the situation. What I have found is that is not the case. Um, most businesses understand what I'm doing here because we, we, have, we build a relationship. They do not abuse the, uh, the access that I give them. And uh, frankly, I've got it, uh, it's built in the, uh, the contract that I do have the ability if, if there is that situation, I, I have a 60 day out. And so uh, I can, for lack of a better term, I can stop the bleeding if I need to. I don't anticipate that because again, a business person overusing me means that they are uh, working on legal issues that they really don't wanna work on. I mean, I, I don't know very many business people that are going to choose voluntarily to pick up the phone and call their lawyer. I mean, that's just not, that's not the thing that they wanna do during the day. They wanna they want to run their operation and take care of their customers. Uh, I could be wrong, but my, uh, you know, the early returns are everybody, everybody stays in their lane and understands what's being done. And again, are there times where there's an uptick? I'm sure there's always a time when there's an uptick. That's what it's for. That's what it's designed for is when there's an uptick, when something happens, when you need to make those calls. And maybe, maybe for a week, I'll be on the phone every day with a virtual general counsel client. That's okay, uh, it really is. And, and um, because I may go two weeks and not hear from them again, and that's okay too. Um, again, it's, it's how do I serve them to get them to their business objective? And that's gonna be an ebb and flow. And, and I just think uh, in my experience, clients don't want the ebb and flow of legal fees. Yeah, and no, and I you know, I, I would also think that just your approach really reduces an inherent stress level that comes with the attorney and the client. You know, I, I'm envisioning a businessman getting a letter in the mail from the lawyer and, you know, the heart starts beating like this is going to be my bill, you know, and then they're going to want to read it and they want to want to go through the items to make sure they're not being overcharged on on things like that. And, 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 and so I, I think by just having that standard monthly subscription, that it kind of tones down a little bit, and you can probably have more casual and genuine conversations. I, yes, that's right. I mean, I, I have a, I have a client right now and, and uh, they're dealing with a personnel issue and personnel issues are, uh, are difficult because 
unlike a business transaction, although a business transaction does deal with human beings, you've got this, this intermediate thing called the corporation that sometimes um, will reduce some of that angst and anxiety. But when you're dealing with a, with a, a claim or a challenge that relates to a specific individual, uh, the emotions can get high pretty fast. And, and so I've, over the last week to 10 days, have been on the phone pretty regularly with this client. Uh, in the last two weeks, have I made money on them? No, I haven't. But guess what? That's why, it, that's why the program exists. Because I don't want them getting on the phone, thinking of the dollars, thinking of the meter, and not, not having a full and deep conversation with me about what they really want to have happen. Um, I, I, just, I just fundamentally believe that over time, uh, everybody wins in a virtual general counsel environment. Okay, well, we got about halfway through that interview and things are going great. Always love talking to folks that uh, have such great questions about not only what we do from a virtual general counsel perspective, but more importantly, how it helps and how it delivers value to businesses uh, really of all kinds. Um, obviously, now we are focusing on emerging businesses, um, but we're going to jump uh, next week. We're going to see the second half of our interview, and we're going to get into some different topics about virtual general counsel. Uh, with Andre. And so we look forward to having you here next week as we continue our conversation about virtual general counsel in your business. Thanks for joining us at Law Boutique 30 today. It was great to have you with us. Be sure and subscribe to the video and audio versions of the podcast on your preferred platforms. Also, leave us some feedback on today's show and what future topics you would like to hear. Connect with us at www. Law Boutique 30 Podcast.com. Until next week, be open, connect, and take your business to the top.